0: Hello, welcome to the Middle East Forum's webinar series. Uh, This week, I'm delighted to interview Cliff Smith, director of the Forum's Washington project. Uh, Cliff will be speaking with us on the subject of Turkey. Uh, More importantly, Turkey's outreach to Islamists around the world, in particular, those in South Asia. Um, Over the past few months, over the past few years, we have seen increasing collaboration between uh organizations tied to the regime proxies for the regime not just in turkey but in the west working with a whole you know wider variety of of islamist groups and uh movements cliff has written a number of rather interesting articles examining these uh uh uh, instances over the past Yeah, and uh, I think let's just dive straight into it. Uh, Cliff, your most recent piece, or one of your most recent pieces, focused on uh, the Curious article by TRT World. Um, Tell me about TRT World. What is it and what is it saying at the moment with regards to South Asian Muslims?
1: TRT World is Turkey's propaganda arm. um, And when I say that, I mean that literally Uh, Turkey Uh, TRT World was founded in 2015, um, which uh, I don't think is so entirely coincidental. It was right around when Erdogan was consolidating power sort of for the last time, you know, really working at consolidating his power in Turkey. And um, when I say that, I'm I'm not using hyperbole. It is its propaganda arm in the sense that it is a registered foreign agent with the U.S. government. Uh, That means that not only is it funded by the Turkish regime, but it is controlled uh, its editorial line is controlled by, into, in, to a large part by the regime. So in other words, that makes it distinct from say the BBC, which is funded by the British government, but is widely accepted as having an editorial line separate from whoever is prime minister or the ruling party at the time. And in basically is an independent journal, um, journalistic source that is simply funded by the government. Um, TRT World's actual line is controlled. And um, TRT World, um, since it was founded in 2015, Um, It reports to have um, a very large following, Um, it claims to have reached 260 million homes around the world um, in 190 countries. It has major broadcasting centers in London, DC and Singapore. Um, So this is not a small operation. Um, As I mentioned in my article, you know, this is them self-reporting. It's imperfectly fair to wonder if they are exaggerating their reach. Um, You know, you never know what uh, regimes that are less than transparent are up to. Either way, if you have a major office in London, D.C. and Singapore, and clearly have a very you know, widely available and, and very fairly widely used website and TV channel, you know, you're reaching a, a large amount of people for a foreign regime propaganda outlet, um, and you're doing it so in vital parts of the world. Um, and so this is a significant um, part of Turkey's influence operation. Um, and the thing that I noticed in my last article, which of course we can speak more about, is that one of the most consistent lines in TRT World's um, coverage is essentially non-stop support of Pakistan um, and support of Islamist groups in South Asia, uh, opposing India in Kashmir, and frankly, opposing um, even Pakistan's enemies in other countries, be they uh, civic groups, um, NGOs, so on and so forth. Um, basically just being a a part of um, Pakistan's um, defense force in a journalistic, propagandistic, however you want to say it, sense, all around the world. Interesting.
0: And by the way, I should just point out, this is a pre-recorded interview. So if you do have any questions, we won't see them. Um, uh, but as a, as a consequence, we'll, this will go on for a little longer, uh, the, the, the lecture section that it would in, in other webinars. And Cliff, that's, that's uh, particularly interesting. But what does that actually look like then, aside from these, um, uh, 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 you know, this general sense of Turkey wanting to push for Pakistan's interest in, on the internet, in television and media and so on? What are they actually doing? What are they actually saying?
1: Uh, well, um, the, the, example, the first example I used in my article is um, a recent um, article that TRT World ran on their um, web platform um, that concerned the appointment of Masood Khan, Pakistan's new ambassador to the United States. Uh, Masood Khan is an interesting choice, to put it mildly. Um, he uh, had open dealings and open sympathy, not just for extremist movements in the abstract, Um, but of actual designated terrorists and designated terrorist groups um, appearing on stage with U.S. designated terrorists with um, direct ties to Al Qaeda, for example, prior to becoming the U.S. ambassador. There were people in civil society, uh, full disclosure, the Middle East Forum was one of them, and you were the one that wrote an article drawing some of this information out into the public, Um, and this got also got the, a, a US congressman concerned that sent a letter to the administration asking his credentials to be rejected as ambassador. And his um, appointment was delayed. Um, for, he, was, he was held over for an unusually long time while the State Department sort of went over his credentials. He was ultimately accepted. During this period when people were wondering, well, why hasn't he been accepted yet, um, uh, TRT World ran an article discussing the controversy essentially attacking Khan's critics, um, including yourself, of course, um, but also um, downplaying any legitimate issues, which are, again, demonstrable facts. For example, it referred to um, Khan's praise of Burhan Wani, um, who it deemed a Kashmiri separatist leader um, to be essentially much ado about nothing. It ignored that Burhan Wani was a commander in Hizbul Mujahideen, which is not only um, a US designated terrorist groups, but it just one of the most brutal terrorist groups um, in the world. By a lot. I mean, they the the stories of their murder, torture, rape. I mean, really horrifying crimes that were done, not just um, sort of incidental to what they were up to, but because of what they were up to as a shock tactic, are well known. Um, and so this was ignored, and instead, you know, people that wrote against him, congressmen that spoke against him, were basically shown to be you know nuts and weirdos that don't understand or are unconcerned about Kashmiri rights or whatever. And again, this is not something directly um, related to Turkey. I mean, Turkey's interest in um, in Kashmir is indirect at best. They, you know, are not anywhere close. There's a couple thousand miles away from the dispute. They have no troops on the ground that you know that we know of or anything like that. Um, But they deemed even a potential threat to um, Masood Khan's appointment as something worth um, them speaking out about. And this is not a one-off or even a two-off or even a dozen or so-off. Since the founding of TRT World, just counting its print stories, um, they have almost 100 stories a year. That's almost 600 stories um, since its founding on Kashmir. Um, I admit, I did not read every single story on Kashmir that they put out, but every single one I looked at, and I looked at quite a few, um, obviously made uh, Pakistan look relatively good, India look relatively bad, and Turkey look like a friend of Pakistan. Um, so this is another way that uh, they have um, um, worked their way into sort of part of Pakistan's um, larger narrative and, and promoting that narrative around the world. What I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, and what what about outside of, of
0: media coverage? How else? Any other ways in which Turkish, uh, uh, the Turkish regime or Turkish proxies are are inching closer to South Asian Islamists?
1: My uh, myriad of ways, tons of ways. Um, it is. It got noticed far too little um, that um, in the run up to in the in, in the last two several years, I should say. Um, India, actually you need to rewind a little bit further back. In 2019, India repealed multiple um, parts of its constitution, which was allowed by the constitution, concerning the, concerning Kashmir. Kashmir, as you know, is a disputed region between India and Pakistan. Um, the um, ruler of Kashmir, when the partition happened, um, the, 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 this, the details are complicated. The end result was the the ruler chose go with India. He could have chosen to go with Pakistan, but he chose to go with India. Um, But Kashmir was majority Muslim. Um, Pakistan refused to accept it. They sent in the military. Since then, Pakistan has occupied a portion of Kashmir. India has controlled the rest um, under the um, ascension um, that was granted by the leader at the time of uh, uh, partition. Um, And it has been disputed ever since. But Pakistan has controlled one part. India has controlled another part. That part was held in stasis um, for with their constitution until 2019. In 2019, India repealed it. And what that meant was that essentially our holding in Kashmir is no longer up for negotiation. Um, We are um, giving the same rights, no special rights, no special provisions. um, And we're also enforcing all civil rights laws and other things in Kashmir as we see fit. Um, And we're we're not keeping it separate anymore. That was seen by most in the international community as essentially an internal Indian issue. Um, And at most, you know, the Kashmir issue, to the degree there was going to be any changes, would be decided bilaterally between um, Kashmir and Pakistan, while while the decision of how to govern India-controlled Kashmir was India's decision alone. Um, That's how it was widely seen. There was one notable exception, and that was Erdogan. Erdogan, right around the same time, in several years running now, has started raising the issue of Kashmir and demanding sort of international arbitration at the UN. Um, And that is unusual. Um, I I am aware of no other leader that has done anything like that. Um, And the vast majority, even of countries that are friendly to Pakistan have gone quite that far. Um, So that's just one way that shows, and that's part of a much wider um, exchange of political favors, if you were. Um, For example, Turkey was was working very closely and was, was on the ground in support of Azerbaijan during the war between Azerbaijan and Armenia in, in the last several months and um, or last year I should say and um, reportedly so was Pakistan. Pakistan apparently sent mercenaries um, which the Azerbaijani um, government excuse me the Armenian government um, Uh, said publicly. The Pakistanis originally bragged about it publicly and then claimed that they were misunderstood and that they hadn't really done it. Um, You can believe that or not, up to you. Um, Either way, it seems fairly clear to me that Pakistan was on the ground there too. Just another example. There have been non-stop exchanges of parliamentarians, of um, sort of high-level communications. All three, Pakistan, Azerbaijan, and Turkey, agreed to take each other's sides in territorial disputes, um, i.e. Kashmir, Nagorno-Karabakh, and, um, and um, Cyprus, uh, among others, but mostly those.
0: Um, yeah. And what about what about um, Islamism in the West? Does this yeah. factor, I mean, Erdogan has a long history of using Islamist groups in the West to advance his agenda. Are we seeing this relationship and this interest in South Asia also play out within Western uh, circles?
1: Very much so, and that's what I was gonna go on to next. Um, not long after, um, so last time Erdogan raised this issue in the UN, last September, I believe it was, um, he went directly to another meeting. Um, this meeting was with um, the American Muslim leadership, uh, so they declared themselves. This included the Una- uh, US Council on Muslim Organizations, um, US CMO, they are an umbrella organization of sorts for various um, Islamic, and I would argue in almost every case, probably every case, Islamist umbrella. Four different um, NGOs. Um, several of those have clear Pakistani origins. Um, for example, the Islamic Circle of North America is referred to by Vali Nasser, sort of the, the probably the most um, high profile expert on South Asian um, Jamaat-e-Islami, the, the radical movement out of South Asia that is somewhat akin to the Muslim Brotherhood in, in, um, in Arabia. Um, it's one of the most important chapters in the world. He, he deems it one of the most um, biggest and most important, eight most. Uh, the, the ICNA was one. ICNA, yeah. Correct. Excuse me. And um, that is part of this. Um, the chairman of the United U.S. Council of Muslim Organizations is a guy named Mohsen Ansari. He is a doctor who has been um, in charge of several different branches of ICNA and now is the chairman of um, the U.S. Council of Muslim Organizations. At this meeting, which included not just ICNA, but a number of other ones that were linked to both Turkey and Pakistani uh, radical movements, Um, um, Dr. Ansari praised Erdogan for his champion, um, uh, him championing oppressed Muslims all around the world. um, Given the fact that he had literally just given a speech on Kashmir at the UN, it's not that hard to figure out what he was talking about. and this works its way into a whole host of other things. Um, there have been multiple other um, groups, even umbrella groups that have been involved. Um, another one is um, is the Union of NGOs in the Islamic world. This is a foreign umbrella group founded in Turkey, but um, is clearly um, has um, tons of members from South Asian Islamist groups. Uh, ICNA again is a member. Another one is um, there is a new group, um, well, new, it gets messy. The Kashmiri American Council, which was founded by Ghulam Nabi Fai um, was, was a proxy for the Pakistani ISI. And when I say proxy, I literally mean that Ghulam Nabi Fai was being paid by the Pakistani intelligence to influence American policy on Kashmir. This is not me saying that. This was proven in court. And he went to jail for not being a registered foreign agent. Um, and, but he has since reopened SHOP and has, is part of this organization as well. Um, you could go on and on. All of the different links between South Asian Islamist organizations and Turkish Islamist organizations that are both domestic and foreign to Turkey, that are domestic and foreign to the U.S., are all interlocking. Um, and like I said in another article I wrote on this topic, this does not necessarily mean that every Turkish NGO or every... South Asian, you know, origin NGO um, takes its orders directly from Ankara. It does not mean that they're always going to see things 100% on the same page. It does not mean that they are literally controlled by Pakistani intelligence or Turkish, um, you know, regime forces in the same way that Gulam Nabi Fai again, this unregistered foreign agent that was convicted as such, um, is still involved in these issues, are. It I, I does not necessarily mean that. What it does mean is that as Erdogan has taken up increased leadership of the Islamist movement, the global Islamist movement, it should come as no great surprise that Islamists around the world are partnering with him, looking to him for leadership and working towards the same goals in concert. And that's what we're seeing.
0: Interesting. Now, I think uh, in the years following 9-11, the uh, state, that most favoured Islamism in most people's mind was Saudi Arabia, and the Wahhabism of Saudi Arabia was something that, you know, most Americans had had heard about. Uh, but I notice we're not discussing Saudi Arabia here. Um, it's clear times have changed. Um, does this represent a new axis then of Islamist thought? Is is Turkey now the leader of Islamist patronage around the world? Are there other particular states? Is Pakistan
1: one it's- of them? It's certainly a leader. Um, I would. I'm not sure if I'd call it the leader. Um, That gets messier. But yes, Saudi Arabia has fundamentally changed. I mean, look, Saudi Arabia is a society with very old, um, almost medieval trends in it. It has huge amounts of problems, huge abuses of human rights. I don't want to minimize any of that. Nonetheless, at the end of the day, right now, um, under their current leadership, they have almost including completely, you know, given up on certain on funding of Islamist organizations um, at home and abroad, they have um, pushed against Islamist forces domestically, they have, are quite clearly working closely with anti-Islamist forces in many situations. Um, The recent Gulf rift that lasted for several years between um, Saudi, UAE, um, several other countries, Egypt, so on and so forth, and Qatar, was about many things, uh, and I don't want to oversimplify, I'm saying it was simply just about Qatar's support for Islamism, but that was a big one. And it was also a big one that included um, Qatar's support for Islamist groups in their propaganda arm, Al Jazeera. And when I say that Turkey is part of the new um, Islamist alliance pushing Islamism in the world, um, Pakistan would be another one, and so would Qatar, and they're increasingly working together. Um, a, in a article um, um, a few months ago, um, a um, Asli um, I'm going to butcher this name, Ayuadind Tasbas um, wrote an article in the Washington Post. Excuse me for butchering that name. Um, but in she calls it in it she calls Qatar, Pakistan, and Turkey um, the Taliban whispers, and basically she makes the case that all three of them during the fall of the, what I would consider legitimate government of Afghanistan to the Taliban. All of these worked closely with the Taliban, and at the end of the day, for the Taliban's interests in order to gain influence over it, and then to sort of package that influence with it to the rest of the world as, hey, look, we can work with the Taliban for you. Um, This is true. Um, Erdogan actually, right before the Taliban took over, was saying in a public speech that the Taliban should work with Turkey because Turkey has no problems with the Taliban's beliefs, which I think is a fairly shocking thing to hear from a NATO ally. Um, But it goes far beyond the Taliban. The truth of the matter is these are people are working together on many matters, be it financing Islamism at home and abroad, be it working with jihadis in Syria or Kashmir. uh, The list can go on and on. They are taking over jobs that Saudi Arabia used to do. Um, there was a, a, one thing that has also gotten too, far too little um, um, scrutiny is that Turkish school curricula, which was once considered a modical secularism, according to Dr. James Dorsey of National University of Singapore's Middle East Institute, um, is, are now the focal point of what he calls supremacist and intolerant curricula in the Muslim world. This is the kind of thing you used to hear about Saudi textbooks, which you are hearing significantly less of. And I don't think that's simply propaganda. I think that is the reality on the ground. Turkey um, under Erdogan um, is taken over for a lot of what Saudi Arabia used to do, or what the Muslim Brotherhood used to do. Again, it's not an accident that when the Muslim Brotherhood was kicked out of Egypt, a whole lot of them wound up in Turkey.
0: And does that play then into the way that Islamists operate? Here in the West, I mean, you've already mentioned some of these these Western Islamists praising Erdogan's rule. But I mean, for example, in their efforts to influence American politics, are they now pushing Turkish agendas? Are they pushing Pakistani agendas? Are they pushing this new, the agendas of this this new axis that you describe?
1: I would say, yes, um, I think that is definitely safe to say, especially in zones where the sort of the interests are more clear. Um, it, it, example: Kashmir is one that um, Islamists of all stripes. Um, be they Arab or Muslim um, or, or, excuse me, or Pakistani or um, or Turkish, have all um, been pushing in the same direction. Basically, painting Kashmir is entirely an issue of um, a of a Muslim concern, trying to free their Muslim brothers and sisters from Hindu oppression or what have you. That's one issue they've been working very clearly together on. Um, Turkey is a little bit more complicated because Turkey is always playing both sides of the fence on a lot of these issues, given the fact that they are a NATO ally. They have these historic relationships with Europe. They have this sort of on-again, off-again relationship with Russia where they're working very closely with them one second and then bashing them the next. Their position is much more complicated. So there's been less open embrace of obvious Turkish causes from my point of view, Um, which doesn't mean that hasn't happened. It's just been less consistent, less overt. Partially because Turkey's interests are more complicated and, easy and, and more difficult to rally people around, but I do think it's very um, easy to show that these kinds of domestic organizations, um, be they, um, for example, um, you know the Turkish Heritage Organization, which is now uh, you know essentially controlled by the regime, um, be it the Turkish Dianet, a mosque, um, a network of mosques, really all over the world, but including in the United States, including a few miles from where I'm sitting. I'm in Washington, DC. There is a mosque in Landover, Maryland. I could drive to it in 10 minutes, 15 tops, that is run by the Turkish Diyanet. The Turkish Diyanet was a religious ministry set up by Ataturk to moderate religious services, to make sure they did not go to an Islamist direction. Um, it has been co-opted for the opposite purpose by Erdogan. And that goes international. Um, uh, the Middle East Forum um, has written about this quite a bit, um, and interestingly we're not the only ones to pick up on it, nor is it only people that are usually affiliated with our point of view. Um, the Middle East Institute wrote a, an excellent article on what they called um, 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 neo-Ottoman po- um, um, pan-Islamist ideology coming from Turkey, and they specifically cited the Turkish Diyanet and their um, chapters abroad as being a big part of their players in that. Um, And that goes all over the world, including the United States. Interesting. Cliff, thank you so much for your
0: time. This has been uh, an extremely fascinating discussion. Uh, If anyone in the audience wants to read some of the articles Cliff has been writing on this subject, you can find them at meforum.org, where you can also sign up to our mailing list and subscribe and get news of future webinars like this. Uh, Thank you very much. And I hope to see you at a webinar soon.